Hey, it's Alana here. Did you know that Unsettled just turned four years old? We've grown and changed a lot since we launched in 2017, and that includes our team of producers. Today, we want to bring you a story from one of our former producers, Yoshi Fields. Yoshi is now one of the producers of Groundwork, a new podcast about Palestinians and Jews refusing to accept the status quo and working together for change. We're sharing one part of their mini-series about mixed cities, where Jews and Palestinians live together within the Green Line. You can find the rest of the mini-series and subscribe to Groundwork wherever you get your podcasts. This is episode two of Groundwork, Lude. Hello, I'm Dina Kraft. And I'm Sally Abed. Sally is a Palestinian activist in Israel. Dina is a Jewish-Israeli journalist. And this is Groundwork podcast about Palestinians and Jews refusing to accept the status quo and working together for change. Our show is powered by the New Israel Fund and the Alliance for Middle East Peace. This is our second episode of our mini-series on mixed cities. If you haven't heard the first one already, go check it out. In each episode, we have a conversation with activists who have been working for equality between Jewish and Palestinian Israelis in these mixed cities. We're talking with them about what it's actually like on the ground, what they think led to the interethnic violence in May, and what's next. Today we're talking about Lid, also known as Lud or Lod. Lud is about a 20-minute drive from Tel Aviv. It's mostly working class, about 70,000 people. It's been an important crossroad between cities since ancient times. Today, it's home of Ben Gurion Airport, Israel's main international airport. And in May, Lud is where some of the worst inter-ethnic violence occurred. Cars in the religious school were burnt after clashes between Arab Israelis and Israeli Jews on the streets here. The images don't really describe what has been going on. It has been a war zone and nothing less over the past three days. Israeli officials say they've locked down the city of Lud, the first such action in decades. It began with Palestinian Arab youths protesting the storming of the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound by Israeli police. It then spiraled into mob attacks, turning neighbor against neighbor. Young Palestinian Arabs from Lod targeted the property of Jewish residents, burning cars, throwing stones, and firebombing some homes and synagogues. Then things escalated even more when ultranationalist Jews bust in, some from West Bank settlements claiming they needed to protect the Jewish community there. They burned Arab property and cars and desecrated a Muslim cemetery. A state of emergency was declared, a night curfew imposed, and border police officers were brought in. Two Israeli men were killed in the fighting, one Jewish and one Palestinian. Today, we're talking with activists Rula Daoud and Dror Rubin, who have worked in the city for years and were there during much of the violence in May. Rula Daoud is a Palestinian citizen of Israel who lives in Lod. She's a national co-director of Standing Together, a grassroots movement of Jewish and Palestinian Israelis. Everything that's happened in Lut, I think it's a bit different than what happened in other cities because actually there has been like, you know, a very declared policy of making the city more Jewish and making the city, you know, more available for Jews and less for Arabs. And it's been happening for so many years. And Dror Rubin is a Jewish Israeli and a community organizer. He works at a joint Jewish-Arab community center in the mixed neighborhood of Ramat Dashkol, the epicenter of the recent clashes in the city. The rage that we saw on the streets of Lod in the past few weeks, of course, there is no doubt that it also 
connect to the conflict and connect to other aspects of Gaza in Jerusalem, but I think that it's also part of poor communities that don't see hope in their life and feel that there is no other way than just to fight and, and to burn. This is episode two, Lud. First of all, how do you say the word Lod and what does it mean? Locals say Lud and people who come from outside of Lod say Lod. There was a period where they wanted to kind of uh, make uh, Lod as a more of, you know, a... Uh, 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 branding Branding, the city. yeah, branding the city. So the branding started by changing the name of the city and they started calling it Lod. So I, it's, it's kind of uh, something we also joke about when we sit t- together. So when you say Lod, it says you're from the city, like you're native. But when you say Lod, it's from somebody who came from outside and really wants to change the city. Okay, so take us into a walk in Lod. <laughs> Just a walk of, uh, you know, set us the scene of how does it look like? What is life like in Lod? When we talk about mixed city, what does it mean? Walking in the streets of Lod and specifically the areas that I'm active in, the old city, and you have the Greek Orthodox uh, St. George Cathedral, and you have the Great Mosque from the 12th century, and you have different synagogues, and, and you can really feel the history. In a way, it's like Jerusalem, like other old cities, and like also other cities full of conflicts and, and challenges. So when you look at Lud, uh, you can actually divide it into many neighborhoods, but you can say there are like more Jewish neighborhoods and more Arab neighborhoods, but you also have mixed neighborhoods. But it, what I think is much more authentic to say about Lud is that you have uh, neighborhoods that have a higher social economic uh, standards and one that have lower. Can you also take us into like, uh, describe maybe a little bit more uh, about the new Jewish settlers Um, and how that works also as a gentrification, uh, you know, as a social economic uh, issue as well as a national uh, issue. This is, I think, the main reason of or the context of the conflict that we saw in the past month. The story of the new uh, community of national religious families is a story of the argument who owns this land. The national religious community in Lud, also known as the Garin Torani, first started moving into Lud 25 years ago, and now numbers some 1,200 families. The community says it promotes Jewish values in poor cities like Lud. I'm working with this community a lot, and I heard and asked many families from this national religious community, why did you choose to come and live in Lod? And many of them said the same answer. They went after getting married to the rabbi and asked him, where do you recommend us to live? Many families told me that the rabbis told them that in the West Bank, the settlements, we already won. This is ours. We won't see a Palestinian state because of our activities in the past 20, 30 years in the West Bank, the settlements and this, you know, movement. And the new challenge and the new conflict will be the mixed cities. And we need to go and live in the mixed cities because the other secular or, I don't know, other Jewish communities, they don't want to stay in those cities. They don't want to live next to Arabs. They don't like their cultures. They don't like their crimes. They don't like their noise and, and other racist sentences. And they were ready to devote their life and live in tough areas because of values. It's not my personal value, values. It's not my ideology. Well, it's, but it's basically, I think it's an ideology. Yes. Of, of making it more of a Jewish yes. city. And yes. less of Arabs. Yes. So it's... Yes. it's 
And, and on the personal level, they are really good people, educated, nice, welcome, most of them. But the movement itself, and this is something that sometimes they even are not aware, is a racist movement. The movement itself is taking the Arabs and keep them in the corner without solutions for building and, and new opportunities for families and work. And I think the problem is that when the Garayna Turani uh, came to Lud, they had so much budget, they had money. And f- after so many years where, where, where Lud didn't have a mayor, they have one. His name is Yair Ravivo. And Yair Ravivo is also part you know, of the whole ideology of making the city more Jewish. So when they came, they had, they had budget. And what really happened is that they began building neighborhoods. especially for the Garayna Turani. And in their, their neighborhoods, you had, you know, streets, electricity, community centers. You know, the local people who were living in Lud before saw that there is money, there is budget, but that budget is not being spent on them as local. So what happened is that you basically you, you, you built kind of, a, you know, two groups, us and them. Us was the, you know, more local groups. Uh, the people who have been crying out for so many years from budget and for a different kind of, of, of living. And then you just bring a different people from outside of the city and you give them that budget and you say to them, okay, you can have your own neighborhoods, build them, live in them, and then we will just kind of spread all over the city. For the past few weeks, I think also with the mayor, what they have been trying to do is to show that there is, you know, a, a minority as in Palestinian Arabs and the majority of the Jews, and that is the conflict between both of them, which is not. And what we are trying to do right now in Lod is to show people that this is not really the situation, that we have so many years of, you know, um, neglecting the locals and giving more to people who come from outside just to make the city more Jewish. And this is, this is a situation that most of the people who live in Lod do not agree to. So when we talk about the conflict and what's been happening for the past few weeks, we always emphasize the fact that this is not a struggle between the Arabs and the Jews of Lod, but it is a conflict between who's more local and more native to the city and between those who came for the past 15-20 years to the city. So it's a big difference uh, in the narratives of each side. And, and I, I totally agree, uh, Rula, that this really is this kind of polarization if we change the narrative of, you know, Palestinians against uh, Jews and to something that is more, you know, a class fight and a gentrification and economic uh, story and the native against a settler who is also obviously has a nationalistic you know Jewish supremacy uh, ideology but it also has an economic supremacy and economic settlement for sure and the past few weeks didn't really help us because whenever we come to a more of a national kind of crisis it's very easy to make people more polarized to both sides But I think uh, what we're trying to do is make uh, a group of people who see themselves as more of a residents and citizens of Lod who want to actually improve the way of life and to want to work for you know better equal a uh, way of, of living and the way we're trying to do that to actually overcome the national uh, uh, the more national obstacle is by talking about what's good for all of us Rula and Dror have been working for years on creating better connections between all the residents and For the past seven years, Dror has been working at an Arab Jewish community center, the Chicago Community Center. It was built to be a beacon of integration in the city. The project has been supported by the municipality, but with one big condition. They demand that we won't create shared activities. And throughout the years, we don't have any joint activities. So the computer class and the football 
activity and the dance is all separated. So you, anything you have to, one for Jews and one for Arabs. And for us, it was an inner dilemma or crisis because most of the people that works in the community center, we all felt that in order to build trust, you need to create different areas of friendship and of course, introduction to one another. But we had to deal with this limits and and with rule and and even when it was a spontaneous meeting between kids we immediately got messages from the municipality that this is not the kind of pictures that we would like to see it says on the wall you know arab jewish community center so that's what you think it means but basically it's a completely segregated yes unfortunately center. but but this is what i wanted to say uh, so we had this dilemma and we of course we couldn't create what we, the people who run this place, wanted, um, also Jews and also Arabs. But we also understood throughout the years that there is a process. And in order to change people's attitude, you need to walk slowly and you need to create trust. And you need to take this national religious community and show them that the Arabs are neighbors. And in a way, I think until three months ago, we could really see the progress of building trust and there were many many projects not in the community center but in the neighborhood that were done together between Jews and Arabs national religious Ethiopians Bedouins Palestinians in many ways we saw the progress and for me personally I think that the events that happened in Lod was was shocking when the violence broke out in Lod Rula was actually in Tel Aviv organizing a peace protest I called, you know, back home and I was, okay, I'm coming back home. And everybody was like, don't come back home because you have so much violence. And you have, like, people stoning cars in the streets and, you know, Jews actually being violent towards Arabs and Arabs towards Jews. And everything was, you know, on fire. In the WhatsApp groups in Lod, you started seeing, uh, you know, videos and pictures of settlers just walking around with M16. And my... My one said, don't come back home, they can shoot you. Because what's happening right now is very scary, so she didn't want me to go back home. So I stayed at my brother's place in Tel Aviv. So this is your for daughter? Five, yeah, for five days. I couldn't really go back home because, you know, you had so much violence and you couldn't go inside the city. And she was like, they can't know if you're an Arab or a Jew, so you won't be actually, you don't know if you're going to be safe coming inside. How old and is you your have, daughter? Well, now she's nine. So she was telling you, mommy, stay away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As much as she wanted desperately to be with her children and her wife, she felt her daughter was right. To enter the city as an Arab was too dangerous. But the distance became intolerable. So at the fifth day, I decided I'm going back home. And in that day, when, when I came back, there was a, a, a group of young kids, like I think 16, 17 to 19, who were just like roaming the streets and shouting out in Hebrew. Am Yisrael Chai and uh, Nation of Israel lives. Yeah, and and other you know more racist kind of of of, of things uh, towards Arabs, of course. As you first drove back in and as you started walking around, what, what were you feeling and there thinking? This is gonna take us a long time to actually rebuild what has been you know destroyed in the past few weeks. I was driving in the neighborhood and. You know, this is the neighborhood that I'm working in in eight years. And, you know, I, I, I refuse to listen to people who told me it's not safe 
to drive and, and walk in this neighborhood. This is, you know, this is my neighborhood. I'm, I'm not going to give up on just walking here. And I was driving my car and, and a group of, group of Arabs came to my car. I don't know what I'm going to do. I started going back um, and, and one of them was someone that knows me. So we told them, this is not the right person that we are going to, to attack now. Many, many, many Jewish families were at really risk from attacks of Arabs in, in the neighborhood that I'm working with. And it was really dramatic when, when I'm speaking with Jewish friends and they told me, look, under our building, group of Arabs are throwing stones to our windows and, and throwing Molotov uh, bottles with fire. And it's really important that people will know that the violence was not from one side. Of course, the context is complicated, but the violence itself were also by Arabs and also by Jews. And, and I remember that I was walking on Thursday, which was the fifth day of the violence, and I met Arab friends of mine that, you know, people who are live in the city and have families and have work and, you know, people that are not belong or, or part of the crime and all that aspects in the city, and they all told me, we are going to get guns for tonight because tonight the Jews will come and kick us from our houses. Um, a sentence that was repeat again and again, we won't allow another Nakba. The Nakba is Arabic for the catastrophe. The phrase Palestinians use to describe the events of the 1948 Mideast War that led to their displacement and Israel's creation. For Palestinian citizens of Israel who live in Lod, the term Nakba resonates especially deeply. In 1948, 250 Palestinian residents were killed in a mosque by Jewish soldiers. Most of the other residents were expelled. They left on foot and horse and donkey-drawn wagons. It was one of the most traumatic episodes of the war. And I think that this is a very important aspect in the uh, conflict, the crisis, the tension in the city. I was walking in the neighborhood of Ramat Eshkol and so many people are crying, also Jews and also Arabs. And you know, their voices is, is so similar in many ways. It's about their children, it's about their life, it's about what will be happening tomorrow. It's really like bad dream, a nightmare that was at who can believe that this something like this can happen? And, and you know, people speak about it. 48. I think I believed it. I wasn't surprised. Um, you also said that the context is complex. The context is complex. It's not as complex as we think it is. I think on, it actually is much simpler. It's just that it's not possible to discuss that situation within the narrative framework that we have at the moment. I was actually on a panel that night uh, when everything started and somehow I was there as the Arab who had to like condemn everything that's happening, um, you know, of the, of the Palestinians in Lud doing all these uh, attacks and obviously I will condemn them any day, but uh, also understanding that the narrative that we have and the controlled story that we have about us having to condemn these things without actually getting to talk about, you know, the fact that the violence from the Jewish side is an organized, backed, financially, ideologically backed violence. 
and ours is sporadical, you know, really angry, poor kids who have been marginalized for so long and have been provoked for so long. Uh, so I, I just had to, to take that in because I don't think the story is that complex. You know, we are, <laughs> you not, know, we are, sorry, not, you know, go just ahead. Like also everything that Sally just said is that there is no authority, there is no police, nobody can really come and save you uh, and you have to do the work by, you know, your own self. So we can't really be surprised when we come to a place where you can see the people are taken to the law to their own hands, when you have people, you know, in the streets with guns and you have so much violence. So the problem here is just not, it's not basically the community. It, it is part of the problem, but the problem is more of you know of the policy that's been happening in the in the city of Lod. There was really you know a breaking point for so many people. One of the things when the riot started is that as you know the group who from the, the Jews the, like the settlers who came from outside started in the mixed neighborhoods to give you know signs on the homes of Arabs in order to say this is the house that you can attack or you can, you know, just break down or do whatever you want, and others you can't, because like it's, it's more, it's for Jews. So we had another activist, she was an Arab. When she came out, she saw that her door was signed and just telling other people that she's an Arab and you can just, you know, destroy or do whatever you want. And she immediately just, you know, she called her husband and they, they called their parents who were not from Lud. And she said, we're packing up everything and we're coming because I'm really scared that they're gonna do any something. And neighbors uh, that she had like for years came down and everybody started kind of, you know, uh, cleaning that sign, just like painting it again. But for her, that was kind of a sign that she does not really belong here. We had this meeting, a bunch of activists who were like also Arabs and Jews, and we're like kind of talking about what really happened in each and every, everyone's neighborhood. And in one of the neighborhoods, there was like cars uh, that went on like on fire. So what happened is that people from the building, like neighbors for so many years, Arabs and Jews, went downstairs, and two of them, uh, friends actually, one is Arab and the other one's a Jew, they called and they said, okay, there are burning cars in our neighborhood. So what do we do? So he said, we will go downstairs. We will stand there. Whenever there's a bunch, you know, more like Arabs coming to burn down, I'm going to stand there as an Arab next to the cars. And I'm going to say, these like Arab cars, don't burn them. And when, you know, a bunch of settlers came down, they were like Jews, the Jewish one came down. He said, no, these cars for Jews, don't burn them. So they stood there for three days, actually, to prevent people from burning down the cars for the neighborhood. And it worked. Wow. But in other neighborhoods, it didn't really work. So how do you rebuild now? Not just rebuild, but also recreate. Like, what what, is, what about your activism staying the same? And what about your activism is changing? And you talk about the trauma. Like, everyone's traumatized. I imagine you both of you are traumatized. Can you speak to that? How are you How are you working to rebuild and, and create trust when the trust was already so thin to start with? Unfortunately, I have to say that there is all the time feeling that it can, you know, start again. And there are so many issues and, you know, small things that just awaken all the fears and all the traumas. Like, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, small fight between children in the park in this mixed neighborhood, which one of them is Arab and one is Jew, is just the beginning of a war. And that's the situation nowadays. So it's really hard. It's not that we get any support to 
um, to fulfill our programs. Um, unfortunately, maybe now with the new government, things will be different, but anything that we have started to do, we faced... Uh, many obstacles um, like give some examples like in what way were there barriers even uh, bringing groups to uh, process the trauma and and speak is something that we see so much distrust uh, I have a question if you can't come together to talk about the violence if you can't talk about like this Jewish neighbor was scared because there was a Molotov cocktail thrown in her yard and this Arab across the street was scared because another Molotov cocktail was thrown in her yard and they were afraid for their houses to be burned down. I mean, people lived in mortal fear. But you're saying, Joel, that the, there are circles where people are coming talk, talking about and processing it, but it's happening separately, right? The Arabs are, se- are, yes. are processing it together. The Jews are processing it together. Um, can that work? Is that the first stage? And, and then do you see bringing people together to process together what happened and to hear each other? Um, that's, that's our goal. It will take time. And, and for all those opportunities, you need to have support. And you asked before what kind of solutions. I think that we spoke a lot about this national religious community. I think that what we don't see in Lod is Israeli Jewish secular families that wants to be part of the city and, and see the future of Jews and Arabs that live next to one another. And I think that this is the challenge. How can you wake up the, the silent majority of Israelis that really don't identify with this extremist ideology of the, of the national religious? And, and of course also don't identify with the violence of Arabs. And I think that how you can, you know, empower and, and give them more and more opportunities to influence the, the life here in Israel. And, and I think that in many ways, my friends, for example, they feel that we don't have hope and we can't really change those patterns. And in many ways we need to you know, take care about our future, our children, our, you know, surrounding, but not more than that, not see uh, 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 social um, struggles as part of, of our life because it's impossible. And I think this is something that must be changed in order to create, you know, change in specifically in Lod and of course in Israel. And a lot of the, what happened, you know, the feel of hopelessness and disappointment is that you've been working for eight years and Rula, you've been a resident of Ludin for six years and everything just kind of fell into crumbles. And the fact that it fell into crumbles, despite all the work, it means that the type of work needs to change. The conversation needs to change. What's in your opinion needs to change? Uh, Rula, maybe? I think and I believe if we need to make a change, uh, a deeper change, we have to recognize, you know, the powers that are working inside of Lod and the differences that you have between different communities. And in order to do that, you have to show the people who are like the strong people, the strong community who came here with budget and money and they can buy houses and they can build new neighborhoods. You have to show them the kind of reality that is really happening in Lod, the differences that you have between different communities. And this is one thing that we are trying to do right now in tours that we have in more Arab uh, neighborhoods and, you know, in a low socioeconomic uh, neighbors. So we've been trying, we had two tours for now. We're going to have a third one uh, next week. And in each one, we always make sure that we have also Arabs and also Jews. And when I say Jews in here, I, I mean the... Uh, the national religious in order to show them 
that where they actually came to live, that you came to Lud, and this is how Lud looks like. You have budget, you have money, you have streets, you have everything, but this is what's happening in other neighborhoods. So they have to realize the difference that they have because I've heard that some of the uh, of that group doesn't really realize the kind of life that the Arab citizens have or the more you know poor people have inside of Lod. For some, some of them were really, really kind of surprised that this is how other people live in Lod, and it made some kind of a difference in the way that they think. So it has to start by changing the narrative and actually realizing who's more powerful and who's less powerful and what can we do together in order to change that kind of reality. But the second thing, and I think that is the most important thing, is the leadership that we have. It's really obvious that the leadership that we have doesn't work for the people. So we need to, I think, choose another leadership and to replace the ones that we have right now. And I know it's, it's, a, it's much more you know, hard work to do, But we, ha- we need to have people who understand what it is to live in a mixed city. So it's going to take a long time that to change uh, the way uh, Lud is looking right now, but we have a start. Groundwork is created and produced by me, Dina Kraft, and Yoshi Fields. The episode was edited by Yoshi Fields. If you found what you just heard meaningful, If you think these conversations are important, we need your help in spreading the word. We depend on you to make these stories. So make sure to subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends. Shukran al-Mutabah. Todah shig shaftim. The show is powered by the New Israel Fund and the Alliance for Middle East Peace. New Israel Fund is the premier funder and organizer of progressive Israeli civil society. With over $300 million from tens of thousands of people, to hundreds of organizations working for change on the ground for over 40 years. The Alliance for Middle East Peace is the largest and fastest growing network of Palestinian and Israeli peace builders. You can learn more about them at their websites, nif.org and allmap.org. And you can learn more about our show there or at groundworkpodcast.com. This episode was scored by Joel Shupak. Our theme music is by System Ali, a multilingual bi-national hip-hop group whose cultural activity is deeply rooted in the communities where they work. Additional music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. The activists you heard from in this episode were Rula Daoud and Dror Rubin. This episode was recorded in Jaffa Sound Art Studio, editing help by Elisheva Goldberg and Hannah Barg. Make sure to subscribe, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.